Would you like to live a happier, healthier, and more fulfilled life? Cultures from all over our planet have been addressing that concern for thousands of years, and their answers can help you in your life today. Welcome to The Sweet Spot, where healing, spirituality, and culture meet. Join anthropologist and healer Robert Better as he introduces you to healing and spirituality in world cultures. Here's the host of your show, Robert Better. Hi, folks. It's Bob Vetter here. Before the podcast starts, I wanted to offer you something for free available on my website, www.bobvetter.com. It's a download of a game and map of the healer's journey called Sustos, named after the traumatic events that can lead to soul loss. The game provides insights in how we ourselves can be healed and how that process empowers us in our healing efforts with others. Get your free download at www.bobvetter.com. Now, let's get to our latest podcast episode. Welcome, listeners. I'm here today with Valerie Naranjo. Valerie Naranjo is a Southern Ute from the San Luis Valley of Colorado. Her parents fostered a respect for musical arts, for healing and community. She has performed and coached for the last 35 plus years on every continent in the, on the planet except Antarctica. She's a member of the Percussive Arts Society Hall of Fame. She played for 27 years in the Saturday, Saturday Night Live house band and is a professor at NYU Steinhardt and a member of the NYU Global Institute for the Advanced Studies to educate professors and administrators. She's founder and arranger for The Lion King on Broadway. Holy cow, that's some kind of bio, Valerie. So Valerie Naranjo, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Bob. Valerie, you know, just the fact that you came from Colorado, from a native community, and the fact that you're in Manhattan, that in the first place is a, an interesting story. So I, I'm wondering if you could tell us how you went from your upbringing to getting out in the world. That's not something that we we typically see for native musicians. Fortunately for me, as you have uh, said in in the bio, uh, my parents had a, a a very keen respect for music, and it really was because of their encouragement that I uh, began to study music as a child. I think I was about nine years old, um, and they supported every step of the way, up until the point where I decided. I I believe my first recording uh, I occurred on a reel-to-reel tape recorder. Now you know how old I am. (laughs) (laughs) When I was about five, one of my cousins had purchased a reel-to-reel tape recorder and uh, asked me to sing into it. So uh, I come from an extended family. My uh, my family is joined through marriage. My my parents are, are, they have the same cousins um, through marriage, through, through a previous marriage. And, and a very huge family and a very musically oriented one. So as I was, when I was a very young child, um, you know, we didn't have a telephone. My, my parents didn't believe in, um, if you couldn't see someone you were speaking to them, it, it wasn't quite right. So it wasn't until I was probably in third or fourth grade that we actually purchased a telephone and, and had it installed in our home. But our, my, my cousins, I remember so many times them coming to the house, we'd see them drive in in the pickup truck and my mother would say, ah, oh, we have to make dinner. That's the first thing. When, when, when people get together, we must, you know, sit down and eat, sit down and share a meal. And, you know, since there were no telephones, there was no way to announce, I'm going to come over today. Let's, you know, let's have a visit. So there's a lot of spontaneity in that. And those visits always included music. So there was a deep respect for music in, uh, you know, in, in the socialization in my family. My grandfather on my father's side was also uh, a musician. 
he had a farm for many, many years. And he, I, I remember my father telling me many times that my grandfather, whom I didn't know because he, uh, he died in an, uh, a work-related accident when my father was 14 years old. But he, she, he used to tell my father many times, you know, good friends are, are worth far, far more than anything material. Good friends are the best thing that a person can have. Um, so at some point, as it was told to me, my grandfather recognized that uh, among his workers and his hired help, there's a busy season when, when we're growing things and harvesting them, and then there's a not busy season. So he took it upon himself to turn his living room, uh, the farmhouse living room, into a, a weekend place for people to come together and make music. Uh, and he felt, uh, apparently, uh, as I'm told, he felt like idle hands are, are not safe hands. <laughs> so he provided that place for, for his workers and their friends to get together and make music. Uh, my grandfather himself, as well as being uh, a singer, was, uh, as I've been told, he, he picked up any string instrument and he played piano very well as well. So music was part of my father's life. My mother wanted to be a, uh, a drummer. She, she was called to drumming. Her grandfather, her, her, uh, her grandfather raised her, reared her, and he recognized that she would probably be in the company of people who were consuming alcohol. You know, the VFW hall, the uh, bar down the street, uh, the club down the street. So he actually prohibited her from studying. Mm. He said, you know, this is not a, this, this, this road doesn't lead to the best thing for her. So being a, a woman in the, a, a young lady in the 40s, late 40s, early 50s, she obeyed. And, you know, she never, although she encouraged me to study drumming, she never told me of this wish of hers until I was well, well into adulthood. And, you know, that is part of the, I think, the restraint among our people, that you don't just say everything as it comes to you because it might not be the right time. So I'm curious to know about the the music that was por performed in your household. I mean, were you doing traditional native music of any kind? Was it contemporary music? Like what what were the kind of things that you you did musically? Everything that you can imagine um, from every nation that you can imagine. You know, because as you know, the power when when uh, when you attend powwows, you learn music from different nations. Um, and so, and, and not only that music, but um, contemporary music of different kinds. You know, uh, my, my family played guitar. I think a lot of, uh, probably every male cousin I had played guitar. Mm. And my father played a bit of guitar, although he always was careful to say, no, I'm not a musician. But he, he uh, was fond of picking up his Gibson guitar and playing a bit. Um, among my cousins, um, there was a, a, a keen interest in, um, so I guess you call it soul. I guess you call it um, people like the Chai Lights, Earth, Wind and Fire, Parliament Funkadelic. Um, there was a really keen interest in that music, and there was also Carlos Santana was a was a big star for all of us kids. Um, there was a West African rock group called Osibisa wow. that all of my cousins were very fond of. So you know, it was kind of my first experience with that kind of intrigue between native music. Um, uh, kind of Norteño music and West African music as it blends with um, African-derived musics. Wow. 
So all of this was going on. I had a cousin uh, who was a drummer, a, a kit player, and he was part of a band, a family band, and they played they they played covers of of uh, everything from Norteño to funk music. <laughs> so they were my heroes. Yeah. You know, and my mother was a singer, amateur singer, but she she was very fond of singing, uh, and and she actually was very fond of uh, Elvis Presley. <laughs> Um, so there were all kinds of music went through my house. Uh, we had a, a, a beautiful, uh, small collection of jazz kind of, I guess you'd call it things like, um, like this, like the song Stardust. That was something that was played on our stereo quite often. So really, um, all kinds of music went through my house. So take me through, take us through, if you would, um, like an evening, like let's say it's a Saturday night and everybody gets together, uh, people who play music, people who some don't maybe, does somebody pick up a hand drum and do like a round dance song or a war dance song or some sort of, uh, you know, powwow music, is that part of this as well? Absolutely, yeah. Usually starting that way, uh -huh. and uh, there was never a, a format. Um, you know, just like there's never a format to eat. Mm -hmm. You know, hello, how are you? It's so nice to see you. Uh, those potatoes are going to be done in about fifteen minutes, and, I and you go in the pantry. There's some green chilies here. Um, what do we have here? Oh, I just cooked up some beans. You know, we used to pick our own pinon, the pinion nuts. Mm -hmm. So maybe we'd harvested some of that or harvested some chili. So whatever was available was what came out onto the table. Um, and whoever had a good idea, that's what came out um, in the music. And that's where I learned a lot of what I sing now. Really? That yes. The songs that you still sing today? Yes, absolutely. Wow. Uh, I learned, uh, yeah, it, it just, um, there was no particular format, no particular instrument, although, of course, this was the star of the show. And you're holding up? A bull run. So tell this us about that instrument, please. Um, the bull run is the portable drum. Um, Boron is an Irish, is, is actually an Irish uh, drum, and uh, many people, because if you know the the big drum is 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 very very big. It's the it's the it could be the size of this corner of the room, mm -hmm. you know, bigger than you can put your hands halfway around. Um, and and folks figured out well if you wanted to be in the um, the VFW parade or you wanted to move with your music, it was difficult to carry that drum. It was oftentimes really very heavy as well. So somewhere in our history, the Boron, you know. It'd be a lot easier to go down the street with this <laughs> than the than the, the the drum, the formal drum that many people play at one time. Well, Valerie, what was that song that you just sang for us? That's called Mother. That is by um, uh, Sonny Primo. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. And um, Sonny Primo and Pura Faye Crescioni. Mm -hmm had a group together, which eventually became uh, the group called Yulali. And uh, I, I, I like to think of Pura Fey especially as the mother of my Native American voice, because I was a young adult when she contacted me and said, you know, could, would, you, would you consider singing with us? And uh, I said, wow, what a wonderful opportunity 
to um, to learn even more music. Wow, absolutely. And this was in New York City. Actually, uh, Purifei's mother was a singer with uh, one of the big bands. I, I don't remember exactly what now, but so there was a lot in her house as well, a lot of jazz, R&B, funk music, uh, as well as traditional music, you know, Native American music. Purifei is um, Tuscarora. Mm -hmm. So, so you start out in this, in this environment, this very rich musical environment of eclectic of people performing. I, I imagine people not being afraid to perform either to pick up an oh, instrument. No, no. You know, <laughs> one person goes and then the next one picks up an instrument and they sing something. Now, how do you go from that to performing in public? Well, in the traditional sense, it's just an extension of the living room. Mm -hmm. uh, in in the Western sense, well, you know, I went to 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 uh, well, I guess it would be middle school. So I began to study drumming, mm. and from there, uh, as a as a seventeen year old, decided that I was committed enough to this to to go to university. And this is when the parents went like this. <laughs> okay, you're going off to new lands that we don't know, uh, with with their blessing, fortunately. And uh, I started at the University of Colorado, and I and I loved every moment of it. Felt at some point that um, I was a teeny weeny fish in a huge fishbowl. Um, I had applied to the University of Oklahoma, which had a really uh, as I said before, a more nurturing, although a very, also another very big school, but just a more nurturing approach. And I felt like it was a better fit. And it was when it was there, I think a lot through the, the BIA scholarship that I was uh, encouraged to interface with other native peoples. And, and the experience was, was really uh, amazing, both from the Native side and, and from the uh, study of basically classical music. At the end of it, there was a teacher of marimba. Now, marimba is something that I heard from the peoples of northern uh, Mexico. And when I was a kid, when we went down there and heard these bands, they call them marimba bands. It's really one very large instrument and one person stands at each range, bass, tenor, alto, soprano. I said, wow, I wonder what Parliament Funkadelic would do with this instrument. <laughs> so after graduate school, um, well, actually, as a freshman at the University of Colorado, I learned about the uh, existence of a marimba in Africa. I said, oh, my, because it's such a wonderful, um, among many native nations in Mexico and Guatemala, this is, they, they consider this like their, their instrument, their national instrument. So when I heard uh, as a youngster that there was such an instrument in Africa, I said, I really need to know more about this because there, there must be some connection. And, and of course, we know historically there is a connection that's been um, not very well uh, regarded in the traditional academia, but there are some notable uh, academics who have done a lot of research about the West African presence in uh, Central America. So uh, when I learned about this as a, as a freshman in college uh, from a graduate student who was from Ghana, uh, this really piqued my, in my, my interest. Went through graduate school, uh, after graduate school began to really just delve in. There wasn't a lot of delving to do. There wasn't a lot of scholarship. So eventually that took me to West Africa where I learned so much about our connection that we're halfway around the world apart, but we really espouse a lot of the same ideals um, in terms of, of the way we think about the world, the way we think about community, 
and the way we think about uh, managing energy and managing emotion, which is something I think, um, please, I, please, I beg your pardon, um, and I don't mean to disparage anyone on this planet, but I think we are in, in, in America, in modern America today, in 2022, we are experiencing a crisis in our inability as a community to, to, to manage energy and to manage emotion, to, to our good and to our, our growth and, and to our nurturing and to our thriving. And I think that's, that's part of uh, what I feel is, is my work. So well, that's, my work is all about music. It's all about, but it's, it's music not as a tool. You know, I, I tell my students sometimes, you know, you can use these to, to get people to sing together or you can use these to aggrandize yourself. Same instrument, totally different purpose. And, and so um, that's, you know, that, that has become my work, whether I'm on the bandstand at SNL or, or at Lion King, or, or teaching my students. It's really using music to show to each other that we're all human beings and, and that we can really encourage each other and, and begin to build very, very positive days together. So I'm wondering if, you know, you were talking about emotions, the relationship between emotions and music. I was wondering if you could just take a quick moment to talk a little bit about the healing aspect of music, because healing, of course, is the theme of our, our show here. So um, if you could talk about that connection in your experience, that would be great. Yes. Well, one of the first things, you know, um, it's easy to take for granted what happens in your family, right? Because you, you grew up in it. My dad... Whenever he'd see us upset, two things he would do, rub the back and tell us to breathe. Mm. Before he, before we even said, oh, oh, well, this happened and they did this to me. No, nope. he would do that first because uh, he, he recognized from his own family that um, every emotion is a physical it, it, it has a physical impact. So we need to address the physical impact. Um, and, and many healers, as you know well, and, and perhaps uh, all of us know, or have the awareness or the idea, uh, the idea of the, every emotion, if we do not let it pass through us, it will stay in us. And that's wonderful. The positive emotions are, are fabulous to stay in us. And that, that is a, a wonderful thing. But if we, if we allow either positive or negative to stay in us without like a stream being a conduit of those energies, we're going to become like a, a stagnant pond. So water comes in, water can't come out. The, the, the art is like a stream or like a very uh, healthy pond. It comes from somewhere. It can nourish us. And if we send it off, it, it can be uh, a healer. If we try to keep it or somehow stymie it or somehow own it, then we have problems. So, um, but in terms of, of, of singing, um, everybody that I knew in my community was a singer of some kind. Um, and it was explained to me as a youngster that one has to breathe to live. You don't breathe, you don't live. So the quality of our breathing also affects the quality of the way we live. And if there's one thing that will make, uh, without thinking about it, without intellectualizing, that will make us breathe deeply and breathe out slowly is song. Mm. 
Therefore, song by its very essence is a healer. Mm. And that sounds very simple, and it is, because anyone can sing. Uh, you know, any healthy person with a healthy set of lungs can, can probably sing. But it's also very profound that we have a very strong tool to elevate our life condition and heal ourselves. That's one tool. The other tool is movement in general, dance. And that's, uh, well, that, that, that could be another crisis that we're facing. I'm, I, I'm not sure I have a strong opinion about that dance as I do about um, uh, the, but when you move parts of your body that you don't move at the office or you don't move when you're behind the wheel of a car or you don't move when you're sitting down, um, this is very good for us. You know, doing something as simple as, uh, see if I can, I might det detach for just a second, but the, the, very just to, simple. to let everybody know what you're doing, because this is only going to be on, on audio. Valerie is, uh, she's doing a motion where she's moving up and down with her arms swinging forward and backwards uh, just bouncing the knees here i am back again just bouncing the knees and swinging the arms like a swing um and this is done you know for round dance for, mm -hmm. for many things if you're not the dancer and you're in a circle this is just the movement that you make um such a healer mm. such a healer the community involved in music is a healer. You can't make music together uh, without being together. So, so many good things come from the sound vibration of singing together. I think one of the exercises that we did for the New York Open Center event was to breathe together in different ways. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Yeah, breathing is not uh, the, the controlled breath, which re, which eventually resulted in song. I I can't emphasize enough how when when a person is feeling tense, how good it is to take a very deep breath in the nose and go. And let that tension out. And then when you, when you study it a little bit more, it becomes a song. Beautiful. You can't help but smile when you sing something like that together. And, and what that was that is, song? Um, that's called the Quick Song. Beautiful. Cheyenne Quick Song. Uh huh. Now, when you're when you went to Africa, I'm also curious a, a little bit about the healing nature of music that you experienced while you were there. And I know that that you know Africa is a big, big area with a lot of diversity of culture and musical forms, also. But when I, the, the thing that I think of when, it, when we're talking about healing and African music, I think of the San people, uh, the Bush, the Bushmen, formerly known as the Bushmen, and their, their all night dances around a fire where the patient is simply somebody who stops where they are and the, the, the dancers and the musicians work together to heal that person who is a patient in the center. And I'm just curious in your work in Africa, if you experienced anything like that. Absolutely. Um, my particular area of expertise is an instrument called the geo. And that is from uh, the upper west of Ghana, the uh, upper east of Cote d'Ivoire and the southern 
part of Burkina Faso. So immediately my first journey I've taken, I, I, I should sit down and count, but I've taken about 25 uh, different journeys to West Africa and uh, had the, the fortune to travel also in, in Egypt, uh, Morocco, um, Botswana, Zimbabwe, and South Africa, um, Madagascar, um, I'm forgetting a couple of them, but uh, Zambia as well. But most of my work is concentrated in Ghana and the, the Ghanaian side of uh, Geely land, I call it. Um, there is the same, I was shocked, uh, pleasantly shocked to find that when I first arrived, my first journey in 1988, uh, after a 19-hour public bus ride, uh, I arrived at a, a, the provincial capital of uh, the upper west of Ghana, which is a place called uh, Wa, which means come. Um, I met a member of the Arts Council who had been to Santa Fe, New Mexico, which is three hours due south of where I grew up in Colorado. And he said, oh, where are you from? Who are you? Etc. Oh, Colorado. Ah, you know Santa Fe? I said, oh, yes. My father used to go to Santa Fe to get coral to, to heal uh, arthritic conditions it's because you, there was a lot of trading going on, uh, you know, of, of real coral. You know, a lot of our coral that we use is actually red jasper. Mm. We call it coral and turquoise, but most of it's red jasper. Um, so he said, oh, Santa Fe, I have performed in Santa Fe. You're going to feel right at home because our town, the town was named Laura, that we were going to uh, proceed to for a huge three-day festival, uh, a pre-harvest festival. He said, our Laura and your Santa Fe are the same. Mm. I said, oh, that's so nice. He's being so nice. You know, I was, I was amazed. Um, the textiles, the, the, the kinds of um, things that you see on the, the, the kinds of designs on textiles. Um, the growing of crops, very similar. The, what we will call in, uh, in Southern Colorado and North New Mexico, adobe, the, the mud brick houses, the kinds of roofs, the way that people greet each other, the way that people sit down and make music, uh, you know, the way that I described a few minutes ago that, you know, you don't really rush around and, and type out an email. You just see them coming down the road and saying, oh, let's have, let's make some dinner or let's make some, some uh, kind of meal and, and then let's make music together or dance together. The same kinds of feelings, the, this, the same kinds of feelings that you and I, you and my family, you and my f circle of friends, um, whatever, whatever our community is at that moment, we are the same. And, and, and our activities are going to be about joining that. And any question about why you're different is a question to make uh, it's a it's part of a dialogue to make us understand that we're all the same. Mm, beautiful. Or that we share the same humanity. And therein so, lies so the... many things, so much the same. Yeah, beautiful. The style of different, of course. If I start to speak technically about the music, it's going to be very, very different. Mm -hmm. In terms of healing, um, there are musics for uh, moonlight dancing. Mm -hmm. For court, there's musics for courtship. There is music especially for uh, the aged, people who are transitioning to the older part of their life. There is very specific music when the person is deceased, and that is some of the most, um, I guess I would call it profound music, although <laughs> in, in, in West African society, the difference between profound and trivial is like the difference between you and I, the difference between sacred and secular, they're all just one big thing called life. Mm -hmm. So, um, 
but the, the, the ceremonies that celebrate the life of a deceased person are absolutely musical. There's, there's no ceremony without the music. And the music is, is very, very powerful. The, um, I guess we would call it here funeral, would take at least three days, hmm. uh, a week for someone with a lot of responsibility, a month for a chief. Wow. Which means, of course, you go back and forth to the to the ceremonial grounds, but it's a lot of sound vibration, singing, dancing, and playing of instrument, so that people can grieve first of all, be celebrate in a very joyful way the the life of of, of a deceased person, and um, celebrate life in general all done through the sound vibration of the voice and the sound vibration of the instruments. Healing indeed. Beautiful. <laughs> Do you have one song from your repertoire that you could share from that part of your experience? I don't have it set up at the moment. Oh, okay. <laughs> but I will send you, I'll send you something. Okay, sure. That'd be great. Or let me, uh, well, let me see if I, if you give, if you can, uh, 40 seconds. Sure. I will be able to make that happen real quick. So this is called Piray. I'm going to do a little Piray and then a, a piece for orphans. <laughs> a whole evening of this kind of music with a very powerful drum called the ganga. Hmm. Uh, people dance very, very powerfully. It's the kind of dance that is tremendous exercise. <laughs> <laughs> I'll bet. Um, Valerie, so we've, we've talked a little bit about your, your performance um, and you mentioned in passing the workshop that you did at the Open Center, which is how I got to know you from being a part of that workshop. Can you yes. talk a little bit about the work that you do out in the world? How, what, what are the different ways that you teach people and that you share this beautiful healing experience with other people, both one-on-one -on -one and in groups? Uh, well, places like the Open Center, uh, a lot of my work has centered around uh, institutional educational institutions colleges and universities um kindergartens middle schools high schools um community centers so uh there's the requests and and the the events are are all quite quite uh, they're each their own they're each their own thing um, I was fortunate enough to, to do a lot of travel in South Africa, uh, sharing this, sharing Native American music. And also, uh, for a time, um, the National Dance Company of Ghana has, has always had, and still has to this day, a, um, feeder group, you know, the, where they train the younger ones who, who become uh, dancers in the National Dance Company. Um, for for quite a number of years, we uh, I would do workshops in Native American music for them, so that they could understand, you know, some of the some of the dancing and and some of the songs. Um, 
oftentimes if I am um, asked to do a performance, and, I, and I'm very fond of performing both Native American and West African music in the same program, um, I will be, uh, I, I, will, I will come in the afternoon before and just have a workshop where we talk, uh, maybe we learn. Oh, some workshops are, are very uh, intense, you know, where, you know, um, we want to learn a, a whole lot of things in a short time. And I say, well, you know, can't grow a tree in a, <laughs> in a short time, but we'll do what we can. Uh, others are more relaxed. Uh, but the, my, my goal in those short-term uh, dialogues and those short-term events is to just do, uh, is to provide an introduction to the ideas of healing in music in West African and Native American music. Um, sometimes I do residencies, so then we can delve more deeply. And in terms of my work at NYU, uh, well, I've been there, uh, let's see, 11 years now. And so for the four years that I see students, we, we embark upon a journey of, of growth. And I have to say, I think I grow as much as they do. <laughs> because every, every person, every human being is different and every human being has had up to that point, up to the point where they're young adults, a different experience with music. And so my, uh, my, um, my journey is then to connect with healing through music while connecting to the techniques of the music as well. So um, some folks have never played what the kind of thing that I just played or have never sung the kind of yay. So it's, it's, always, a, it, it's always an exploratory journey, uh, but it takes many different forms depending on what the community, the community that requests my, uh, my help. So it's always a surprise for me. Your enthusiasm is contagious. <laughs> and I, I mean that in the, the best possible way that that you inspire me, you inspire other people in just your your attitude, just the way that you exude this tremendous energy and enthusiasm about the music and its meaning. Um, as we get towards the end of our interview, I was wondering if you might be able to share a quick takeaway for people who are listeners who maybe are interested in the topic of healing but don't have the music background at all so maybe something for somebody who wants to listen to music for its healing effect and another just quick takeaway for somebody who maybe doesn't have the experience in singing but wants to know where to begin well, there are many, uh, you know, the internet is just amazing at what it offers. Um, uh, personally, I, my, my first recording was Native American music. It's a, it's a collection called Orenda. Orenda is a Huron word, which means uh, life force, I guess is a good way to say it. And it's a collection of music. It's a collection of pieces for healing. Hmm. Uh, and there are many, and I'd be so happy uh, if I could sh if I could later um, share with you um, a, a, a playlist. As sure. a matter of fact, one of my favorite people uh, in terms of, for example, the Native American flute is a gentleman named John Rayner. And I know he's on the internet. I know you can get his, his music. It's just a beautiful, beautiful soul. He's not one of the more celebrated um, Native American flute players, but personally, he's my favorite. There's just something very, very, very freeing about the way he uses the, the flute. Beautiful. The many flutes that he, he does. Um, how to begin singing. Well, I, I, I will, 
this is good homework for me to find depending on where you are it's very very i was um sorry i'm 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 reaching for words here i was ecstatic about our event at, at the new york open center because these events i have usually done before uh before 2020 march of 2020 uh in person and I used to be of the opinion that, you know, the only way you can do this is in person. But um, that's, that's not, I, I've changed my opinion about that, that we can share and reach out uh, on the net. But I would dare say that if you can find a native singer in your community, um, it's quite likely, I won't know that person personally, but I do know if they are committed to Native American uh, art, that, that you will have a good experience with that person. And they may not be an experienced teacher, but if they have experience with the music, please go and, and sit with them. That's the best way, is to be in each other's physical presence. Mm -hmm. um, I live in New York City part of the time and in upstate New York part of the time. And uh, I used to be in New Mexico part of the time. Um, and I hope to do that again. But I think um, being in, in each other's personal space as, as things open up, as we, you know, become... Uh, and, and have become our, I think our health conscious muscle has been really worked. We, you know, we always want to stay healthy. You don't want to get the flu from someone or, uh, you know, a bad cold from someone, but you can meet, I, it's, it's very valuable to meet one-on-one -on -one in person or in a group. So I'm very excited about the possibilities of, of that. Um, the powwow can be any kind of experience. I've been to powwows that were very inspirational. I've been to things, uh, I've been to events that were called powwows that were um, mostly put together to sell arts and crafts. And arts and crafts are beautiful. This is actually from Japan, <laughs> a very gifted. Very gifted. And arts and crafts are profound. I think everything you see around me, uh, lots of books. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so it's not the same kind of powwow experience that I am accustomed to. But um, if, if anyone needs my help to seek out an experience, uh, I, I'll, be, I'll be happy to help. And maybe together we can come up with a, a list of, of both a playlist and a list of, of powwows that, that we know would be wonderful. And, and maybe we can do another uh, podcast episode in the future. I'd be delighted. Or there's, I, there were a million different themes that I could have <laughs> on, um, you know, just to riff with you and uh and explore so maybe in the future we can do that including giving our our listeners a playlist of some of the the healing songs that inspire you um in the meantime what i'd like to do is to let our listeners know how they can find you um, on your, your website and any other way that they might be able to uh to experience some of your music and what you have to offer well, thank you for that. That's very generous of you, Bob. Um, Orenda is in the public domain. So it's O-R-E-N-D-A. Uh, I'm sure if you uh, duck, duck, go Orenda, you'll find that playlist. It's, it's absolutely for your enjoyment and, and your, your, your uh, raising of your life condition. I hope that it would. I would trust that it would. Uh, my website is www.mandaramusic.com. Uh, Mandara is M-A-N, like man, D like dog, A-R-A, mandaramusic.com. And uh, my website is, or my, uh, I beg your pardon, my email is 
Valerie, V-A-L-E-R-I-E, at MandaraMusic.com. And if I don't answer you within a few short minutes, it's because I'm <laughs> making music with somebody, <laughs> sleeping, <laughs> or traveling. And, and I understand you do a lot of traveling, so that's understandable. What about YouTube? Do you have a, a YouTube channel by any chance? I don't have a YouTube channel, but if you Google my name, Mm -hmm. And the word G-Y-I-L. Gilles. Um, I haven't gone there lately, um, but it, it, typically about a dozen and a half things will, will come up. Beautiful. So people can, can find some recordings to listen to. Yes. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, Valerie Naranjo, it has been such a pleasure to speak with you and get to know you a little better. And I, I know that our listeners uh, will really enjoy this and undoubtedly want to be able to get a hold of you and, and find more of your music and more of your inspiration. So thank you so much. Bob, it has been a pleasure. Thank you for this opportunity. And may we always walk in beauty. And thank you, everyone, for listening. I hope you enjoyed this podcast episode. Before you go, I wanted to remind you of free healing resources available on my website, www.bobvetter.com. This has been Healing and Spirituality in World Cultures with Robert Vetter. Thanks for listening. Please rate, subscribe, and share with everyone you know who might benefit from these messages. Until next time, remember, be kind and loving to yourself and others. Together, we can heal ourselves and help build a better world.